You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Chicago. You are listening to Fully Alive, the radio program of the Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity at the Archdiocese of Chicago. I, along with Ray Pingoy, I'm Don Fitzpatrick. We are your hosts this morning. And hallelujah, he has risen. Hallelujah. Happy Easter, everyone. Happy Easter. I know uh, it was, it's been beautiful. Gosh, I got to take a nice yeah. bike ride. It's beginning and, to look a lot like Easter, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, that's the way I remember when I was a kid, the way Easter was explained, that we kind of go into Lent in the cold and dank, and mm-hmm. things are miserable and rainy and snowy, and then when Easter comes, typically the weather's nicer and... There's more light, yes, right? Yes. Oh, I love it. So yes. awesome, so awesome. Also, a lot of sneezing as well, a lot more sneezing going well, on. Well, you know, that's, that has to do season. with all that... All the pollen and right. the, the beautiful signs of new life. Amen. Yes. So with that in mind, let's get right into our topic this morning. And um, we're, we're going to do two things today. First of all, we're going to give you an update on what's going on with the repeal of the Parental Notification of Abortion Act here yeah. in Illinois. Uh, we spent a good deal of time on that last month. Um so we're, we're going to introduce Bob Gilligan in just a minute, and we'll be talking about that. And then on the second half of the show, we're actually going to have someone who's an intern in our office, Kim Duda, who's d- done a lot of research on human trafficking, and um, she's planning a webinar. So we're going to bring her into the to expand the issue and uh, talk to her a little bit about what's going on in our office in that sense. So with that in mind, um, let's go ahead and introduce our first guest. Hello, Bob Gilligan. How are you today? I'm doing well, Don. How are you? How are you, Ray? Happy Easter, Bob. Happy Easter. Yeah, happy Easter, both of you. Okay, so you all will probably, all of you listening will recall that Bob Gilligan is the executive director of the Catholic Conference of Illinois. And as always, um, you don't have light work ahead of you, um, especially on this topic of parental notification repeal that has presented itself to us um, of, of late. This is true. Yes, yes, it's back. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it never seems to go away sometimes. It doesn't. I know we kind yeah. of we kind of were able to, you know, what breathe a sigh of relief in 2019 because um, it just didn't right. ever come up. Although we fought it pretty heartily, but it never really came up. And unfortunately, we think this one's going to come up. So why don't we talk about what's going on with it, Bob, and um, what we need everybody to do? 
Yeah, sure. So there are two bills, uh, Senate Bill 2190 and uh, House Bill 17, I think it's 89. Um, they both repeal the existing law. They attempt to repeal the existing law, mm-hmm. which requires uh, a minor, um, if that minor would go for an abortion proceeding, that uh, the clinic has to not- notify a-, a parent with mm-hmm. 24, 48 hours before the procedure were to take place. Right. So we know that this law is working and it's in effect, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, the number of, of abortions to minors has declined since it's been in effect. And uh, we know that uh, laws should support parents' obligations to know what their children are, are doing, their minor children are doing, um, as is many other aspects of life. And so where the bill is, is that um, we are on, right now in the legislative process, we're kind of in the middle of it, if you will. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a break this week. There was a break last week. The General Assembly will return to its work next week, uh, beginning April 12th. And at that point in time, um, we anticipate that there will either be a new bill number introduced mm-hmm. or they will move the existing legislation out of into a committee. Um, we don't know if it will be in the House or Senate side, but we're watching that closely. We're sure. close contact with the bill sponsors. And so we anticipate there will be a hearing uh, on the one of one of those two bills, either in the House or Senate. And, and honestly – um, it, it's going to get out of committee. The way the committees are set up and comprised, that that bill, that legislation will get out of that committee, and and then is the real uh, opposition and uh, the the request for l- listeners out there to really get engaged and to call and to set up meetings with their um, leg- with their with their members of the general assembly to advocate a- against its passage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what? Why are we so worried about this bill? Or, or these bills, I should say. Well, there's politics over policy here. You know, mm-hmm. it's funny because there was a poll commissioned earlier, uh, it, it was about a month ago, and it found that 72% of voters in Illinois support the existing law that requires an adult family member to be informed if their minor requ- wants an abortion. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's interesting that even a higher number, I think it was 74% of minority voters mm-hmm. approve of this law. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the policy, and I'm sure most people listening to this, if not nearly all, would say, yeah, you know, that makes sense to me. Uh, there should be a law that requires the parent to at least be notified. But unfortunately, you know, politics and policy don't always go hand in hand. Um, the politics of the abortion issue in the state of Illinois is such that um, uh, personal PAC, which is a political action committee that gives a lot of money to candidates and helps get them elected, um, they are very active. And, and unfortunately, uh, that uh, money, those contributions, and you know, let's be honest, I mean, the culture is, is somewhat against us on these topics. And so the, the political pressure comes down on these lawmakers, and they, I, I'm sure most of these lawmakers if you could get them in private alone, would agree with our position. But they won't do it publicly because they are afraid of what will happen to them in their next election cycle. So mm-hmm. that's why these, these things go on. It's just that for, for the, it's, it's all politics. It has to do with how people get elected and how they maintain their uh, seat in, in the General Assembly. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like they're not even as concerned about what their own constituents think, but more about what the PAC thinks. Well, I mean, that's they have more influence than the. Unfortunately, you know what has happened in recent history is that those PACs and the politics of these situations are where we're weakest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't give a lot of money to these candidates. We don't give a lot of uh, support in terms of elections, and so that's what they know. 
Yeah. And that's what that that's unfortunately what they listen to. Um, look, here's here's this is a pretty simple axiom. If they perceive that the grassroots would be so engaged that they could potentially lose their seat over this, mm-hmm. they would vote with us. But we have not been successful and in, in been able to do that in the past. So it's important then to kind of light a fire under the grassroots. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Sure it is. Well, sure this, is, is. this is an ecumenical movement, right? I mean, we're not, uh, as just as Catholics, we're not alone no. in, this, in no. this fight, right? Right. I think you would see agnostics, atheists, uh, right. other, other faith traditions would pretty much agree with us. Yeah, that this is just something that it just, like I said earlier, it just makes sense on mm-hmm. a major level that, sure. I mean, anybody who's a parent out there knows that they have to sign up team forms for their children to do just about anything in school, extracurricular activities, mm-hmm. all sorts of things. I mean, the law requires, you know, you can't be 21 to buy a cigarette in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, it's just there, there's so many examples. Right. Uh, of of the law requiring you know a different there's a different set of criteria for a minor than an adult and there's so right. yeah. um, well, sure because as we know that you know uh, psychologically the brain isn't completely developed until you're about 25 so risk correct. risk behavior is that there's a reason why risk behavior is high in teenagers <laughs> right why so, are auto insurance anybody who's got a teenager in uh, uh, auto rates for yeah. a teen versus themselves knows that the price difference, right? Why is that? Mm-hmm. Teens engage in risky behavior. They're impulsive. Uh, they file their emotions. I mean, they're not grown adults. And, right. and you know what's funny about this issue, too, is just in the lame duck session, the legislature recognized that. They passed laws that would um, not create certain crimes if this, these, those crimes were committed as a minor, the penalties are substantially different than they would if they committed that very same cr- crime as an adult. Right. And why do they do that? Mm-hmm. Well, they took testimony from people saying that adults' uh, brains are, are formed to a certain mm-hmm. degree that, that a, um, someone under 25 is not. It just sure. makes common sense. It does. This, it does. this also I mean, this also involves the whole family. I mean, with this right. notification law, it involves the family in, in talking about this, right? I mean, uh, it's it's common sense to bring this up to mom and dad and hopefully, you know, uh, right. again, just put, place it on the table and discuss. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing is, you know, it's funny, this happened about 10, 11 years ago. This bill was, was heard in the General Assembly, and I'll never forget it. Mm. Um, there was a gentleman who was in the state house, and he was kind of half listening, half reading the newspaper, as they sometimes do on the floor. And he was listening to the debate, and something caught his ears. And he stood up, and he asked of the bill sponsor, he said, so, Representative, if this bill passes, I have two teenage girls. They could get an abortion. I would never know about it. And if that happened, I'd be left to deal with the physical and emotional consequences mm-hmm. of this. And, 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 nobody, and I would not know. And this man right. was a Democrat, and he mm-hmm. was on the same side as the sponsor on, on just about every issue. And sheepishly, the sponsor had to say, well, he kind of talked around it. And, and, and the response from the lawmaker who asked the question was, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, I'm voting no. Good, <laughs> good. Kind of surprise. Well, and I hope that I hope we huh? can pull on some heartstrings like that with this topic. Yeah. You know, that's kind of yeah. the the idea. You know, I can't yeah. imagine. I have daughters. I have a granddaughter. I can't imagine not knowing that they were going to have some kind of medical procedure, any mm-hmm. procedure right? at all, right. any kind right. of procedure. And and you and you know, if they're going to have uh, even their ears pierced, the parent has <laughs> to agree with it and take them to do it. <laughs> right. So exactly. we're not even talking about that. We're just saying let the let the parents know. Yeah. So that and they it's can interesting. Deal with it. Like uh, our uh, the proponents of this bill, it, 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 they have absolutely. This is just running on 
nothing. I, I, it's mm. shocking, like their arguments is they they will say that well, you know, uh, five hundred um, uh, requests. There's if if there's a situation of abuse and neglect, there's a procedure in the law that allows for what they call a judicial bypass. Mm-hmm. And what that basically says is that if a teen feels that their parent could be an abuser or you know, part of the situation, they can go and have this uh, go before an administrative law judge to mm-hmm. request the abortion. And in, in, in like only one out of like 500 cases has an administrative law judge turned down the request for an abortion. And and I'm saying like, well, w- what's the problem? Right. <laughs> I, I yeah. understand the logic here. It is really a bill that has, it's a solution in search of a problem. Yeah, uh, I, I don't understand the arguments on the other side are, are they're vapid. They're, they're, there's no there there. Right. Well, and I can understand a lot of times their arguments against um, restrictions to abortion are regarding a woman's access. Right. Like, though, so they'll say, well, if you restrict the abortion in this way, then you're going to put undue burden on their access to get an abortion. So and in this case, you you still need some some uh, limitations because this is a minor child. I'm a minor. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, exactly. and then they can still get the abortion if if mom and dad agree um, or if, yeah. you know, heck, it's only only two days notice. They could still sneak out and do it. And unfortunately, you know, what we've seen is that there are parents that do want the minor to have an abortion. I mean, right. that's something that that that's a different um, set of arguments. But it, it is unfortunate. But it does happen. Right. Um, and we've all been – I mean, those of us in the pro-life movement have seen that. Sure. Um, but nevertheless, I think even under such a situation, it, it does provide another set of eyes and ears of an adult to monitor the situation. Thus, as that lawmaker I just described, well, then they'll know what they're dealing with. Exactly. I mean, the parent will know why, you know, maybe uh, their daughter's not eating or not um, sure. not, not playing with their friends or, or withdrawing from schoolwork. And, well, at least they'll know that or why, and they can help deal with that. Yeah. But so anyway, I, I mean, I think, you know, it's just incumbent upon – part of the argument is that, that the law should – support and encourage parents to be in child, in, involved in their child's life, not separate from right. it. I mean, and we should be doing this in all aspects of society. And unfortunately, we're seeing a number of bills coming out of Springfield or talk out of Springfield where the opposite is true. I, I think there's one could say that there is partially uh, there is now a war on families. And we see this in, a, in, a, in, in with, with our tax credit program. Mm-hmm. We see this in the inability of, of, you know, to go back to school. We see it in a lot of different areas. And I, I'm concerned about the family, and I think we all should be. Well, sure, sure. We certainly don't want to see laws that are, are breaking up our families or right. or putting us at odds with our children. It's hard enough to raise teenagers. I can tell you yeah. that from from experience. Um, you know, <laughs> so, yeah. You know, um, and of course, as a parent, you you want to do what's absolutely best for your child. And in, if you don't even know what you're dealing with, um, that's going to be really hard to do. Exactly. Exactly. So, my goodness. And I'm okay. sure, you know, your, your next guest can speak about this more eloquently than mm-hmm. I can, is one of the arguments we have been putting forth against uh, the repeal of parental notification is if a parent and or an administrative law judge is taken out of the equation and there's absolutely no involvement of an adult in a minor's decision to have an abortion, that leads to situations where human trafficking can prolific oh, yes. and continue. 
Well, and this is just one set of additional eyes and ears that we have on a minor. So maybe they could be, you know, rescued from that type of situation. And absolutely. so we've, we've, as, as, as you know, we've been putting forth, we've been um, getting some testimony from some experts who will validate that, mm-hmm. that perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and we've been quite successful in finding some. Right. So let's, um, let's put that thought on hold for just a minute. We need to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk some more about that aspect. Thanks, Bob. I heard mercy call my name. Hey, it's Timothy Johnston here from Liturgy Training Publications. Over the past few months, I'm sure you've found yourself at home more, whether it's working from home or watching live stream masses on Sunday mornings. As we begin adjusting to this at the beginning of the pandemic, one of the things I missed the most was gathering with friends at the parish. That's why we at LTP have created this new virtual gathering series called Living the Sunday Word. We meet virtually on Thursday evenings each week and reflect on the upcoming Sunday readings. And with that, we share stories to help us more fully reflect on the Word of God. I'm inviting each of you to join us, a group of friends meeting virtually from all parts of the country. So visit ltp.org for more information and to register. You won't want to miss this. Caring adults make all the difference in the lives of adolescents. Catholic Charities understands this, and our mentorship program provides a free opportunity for youth living in Lake County to spend time, virtually, with volunteers who genuinely care about them. This program is ideal for youths age 9 to 12 who may need support navigating the challenges of childhood and early adolescence. Our amazing volunteers serve as friends and role models who help youth recognize their strengths and empower them to reach their full potential. Catholic Charities conducts a thorough background check on every volunteer, and our program coordinator closely monitors and supports each relationship. Mentoring is a fun after-school program that is totally different from remote learning. Virtual group sessions help youth enjoy fun activities with their peers, too. We're connecting youth with great role models. Join us today. To learn more, call 312-937-3375. That's 312-937-3375. We invite you to watch Catholic Chicago this weekend, featuring a conversation with Cardinal Blaise Supich and video highlights from across the archdiocese. Here's host Todd Williamson. The effort to get vaccinated, why the church is helping to spread the word. We'll go inside the classroom as a national study shows how Chicago's Catholic schools are keeping students on track during the pandemic. And too many people are going hungry. We'll visit a food pantry where Catholics are working to meet that need. Watch Catholic Chicago Friday at 7 p.m. on Chicago Loop Cable, Channel 25, and Sunday afternoon at 3 on the Comcast Network, Channel 100. Welcome back to Fully Alive, the radio program of the Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity at the Archdiocese of Chicago. You're listening to Dawn and Ray from Respect Life Ministries, and we are talking 
to the executive director of Catholic Conference of Illinois, Bob Gilligan, about some really dangerous proposed legislation that's going to take away parental rights and expose young girls even more to human trafficking than uh, currently. So we just started to talk about that um, before the break. And, Bob, you started mentioning a press conference that that we had um, just a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So um, what were some of the experts you were referring to that were on that press conference? Yeah, there were a couple. Uh, one was uh, Laura Letterer. Mm-hmm. She is a, an attorney, and she has written in Loyola University's uh, uh, public health journal. Um, it's an academically uh, accredited journal. And she did uh, a fairly extensive review um, a couple years ago about the link between um, human trafficking, abortion, and health and clinics, uh, abortion clinics. Mm-hmm. And in essence, what her work uh, is is concluded is that there is a link between those uh, those things, and that um, human trafficking um, unfortunately leads to, as people can imagine, a, a lot of pregnancies. Right. And when individual girls are trafficked and cannot get out of those types of situations, they're taken to clinics, oftentimes for basic health care needs or or that they're pregnant. Mm-hmm. And what this letterer has concluded is that clinics are not doing a good enough job of assisting or being able to identify women who are trafficked. Sure. And she participated in a press conference that you alluded to to call attention to if if lawmakers want to re- repeal the Parental Notification Act, well, now you've just, in some ways, led to more human trafficking because parents and or administrative law judges, they're not there to provide one more check on a minor to make sure that they're not being trafficked. Mm-hmm. The other individual that we had who I thought was quite compelling has a very unfortunately tragic story was a, was a, was a woman who – she's now a doctor, uh, Brooke Bellow, mm-hmm. and she herself was trafficked. Um, right. At a young age, starting, I think it was at age 11 was her first uh, encounter, and then 14 she was trafficked. And, and she said quite passionately that, like, if only parental notification or consent laws were in effect when she was going through this, maybe her mother would have been able to locate her and therefore inform the police or authorities to, to save her. Right. So, you know, it's another good example of uh, why um, we need these laws. Look. I'm not telling you that parental notification is is fail safe. Is it just it's going to prevent human trafficking? It's not going right, to. Right. But it is one more thing we can do. I mean, the legislature has passed a law recently that requires, and I'm sure many listeners have seen these postings. If you go into certain hotels mm-hmm. uh, or public transportation um, hubs, if you're on the CTA, you'll often see often see signs. That says, you know, if you're being trafficked, call this number or take this pamphlet. And, sure. you know, maybe a girl who's in a bad situation could at least grab that, stick it in a concealed place and call later um, so her perpetrator doesn't see it. One of the things that Miss um, Letterer noted in her study is that the law in Illinois does not require abortion clinics to post information about where a, pretend, a, a victim mm. uh, yeah. of human trafficking can get assistance. And it's a loophole in the law. It, and it should crazy. exist. Sure. Um, and I've talked to some lawmakers about doing that, something about it, but so far it's kind of fallen on deaf ears. Right. But, um, yeah, so there's a lot there with this, tra- this, this subject of, of human trafficking. And um, mm-hmm. it's just one more reason why the law should stay as it is. And, frankly, I think, Don, you and Ray and I would argue that 
we, we shouldn't have parental notification. We should have at least a parental consent law. I would agree. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. The parents just get notified. There should be consent. But, you know, it's, it's kind of one of these things where it's better than nothing. But um, we right. could make it even stronger than it is. Well, and do we really want to be known as the state that, that traffickers bring the girls to for abortion because they yeah. can get away with it? I mean, wow. that's what it, we're coming down to, right? Well, we pay for it here because our Medicaid money, it's publicly yeah. funded. And as you indicated, Don, I mean, there are now a number of, of, of abortion clinics sprouting up, you know, along the border yep. with Missouri and Iowa and Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a reason. <laughs> right. Coming here. Well, and they're, there's, coming they're only a couple of miles away from the border. No, it's easy to right bring the those girls over. Yeah. And then they're not required to prove that they're residents, right, in nope. order to get Medicaid. So right. It's just it's it just seems like common sense has really gone out the window. Um, and, and also, I'm noting in the letter from our six bishops on this topic that they state that there's 37 states in the country that have um, not only parental notice laws, but also consent laws. And all of the surrounding states of Illinois have have some kind of law. Is that yep. right? Right. So. Right. So what? Why not um, say, well, we can just pop over to Chicago. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure. Why not? Exactly. And, and you know, we're researching this, but we're pretty confident that there is not, um, at, at least in recent times, there is no state that I'm aware of that has repealed or significantly weakened their parental consent or parental notification laws. Mm-hmm. My understanding of where the country is going, where other states are going in recent times, and honestly, recent times, I'm talking about, about the past 10 years, is that they are actually going the opposite way, which is they're enacting parental consent sure. or notification laws that are stronger, not weaker. We're going the opposite direction again. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. And so, and interestingly enough too, Bob, I know that you are um, the recipient of some poll results um, where 600 people were surveyed and right. even, even 50%, six, 56% of those that were surveyed claimed to be pro-choice. Right. Um, and yet, point. Seventy-two percent of the people said that they were in favor of some kind of parental notification law on this topic. Is that correct? Yeah, you're right. I think the main point here, the takeaway, is that you know, although we wouldn't necessarily agree with a pro-choice position, it is perfectly common. It's mm-hmm. it perfectly common for mm-hmm. a, a number of, for for an individual to, to claim to be pro-choice and also support a parental notification law or consent law. Yeah. So, you know, and I think when we're talking about this with, with others, um, I would stress the point that, you know, of course this is about abortion, but it's also, I would argue, equally about a parental rights issue. Yeah. And so yes. I think, you know, the challenge for us in terms of the pro-life community is to, is to phrase this and frame it as a, a parental rights issue, mm-hmm. albeit we can disagree with whether abortion is right or wrong, um, which basically, as we indicated before, we're trying to persuade mostly Democrats who are pro-choice that they're, at least if they're pro-choice, the, a parent should still be notified of what their sure. minor daughter is aware of. So, yeah, and, and then, as you indicated, um, the number, the percent of people that are, are – and this is not just uh, of people. This is of likely voters. Mm-hmm. Um, 72% of likely voters support uh, a little law that requires an adult family member to be notified if their minor is seeking an abortion. And even a higher percentage, I think it was 74% of minorities. Mm-hmm. say that as well. Mm-hmm. So this cuts across all demographics and all people, because like as I said earlier, this is just common sense. And sure. People recognize that. Going back to what you mentioned, I, I, this is, it is really a war on the family, an attack it on is. our domestic church. What, what, can we, what can we do now? 
how can we uh, how can we help uh, in this cause to you know to inform our representatives? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, as as people face as Catholics, I think you know we need to be more cognizant about what goes on in families and help supporting families. You yeah. know, families that are having problems, um, families that that need help in in a number of ways, and so. You know, I, I think we all should be cognizant about our obligation to support families in general because, let's be honest, I mean, the family is kind of under attack and there's a lot of uh, strains on that. As it relates to this particular bill, um, what I would encourage people to do is please call your state rep and your state senator both at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know who that individual is, you can go to our website at www.ilcatholic.org. If you want to, you can find out who your state rep and who your state senator is. There's a pre-written message to members of the General Assembly if you want to send an email. And if you want to take the next step, I would suggest um, looking at how to have a Zoom call with your state rep or your state senator. Mm -hmm. There are trainings underway um, Mm -hmm. that Illinois Right to Life and the Catholic Conference are putting on. There's another training on April 7th, Ralph Rivera. Um, of Illinois Right to Life. We'll be conducting it. It's at 6 o'clock tomorrow. And then on the 8th of April, uh, Molly Malone Rumney, who works for Illinois Right to Life, will be conducting another training. Um, they're no longer than a half hour. They begin at 6 p.m. Um, and you can find out about those trainings um, through the Respect Life office at the Archdiocese of Chicago, who was publishing them, as well as the Catholic Conference and Illinois Right to Life. Um, and that will take you to that next level. You can find out how to have a Zoom meeting with your local lawmaker. We'll walk you through the steps on how to do it. We'll walk you through the steps on the important messages to send, um, give you a little bit of confidence, um, and, and hopefully uh, have people engage with their state reps and state senators. We're doing this because, as you know, that um, you know with the coronavirus situation and COVID and all that, that it's very difficult to have in-person meetings with some lawmakers. Mm-hmm. Some lawmakers mm-hmm. are doing it. So, you know, every lawmaker is a little different, but to be on the safe side, a Zoom meeting is in some ways kind of easier. You can get, you know, three or four friends to do a Zoom call a lot easier than you can uh, arranging schedules to meet with your state rep um, during the day. So, anyway, Zoom calls are entirely uh, helpful, and so we would encourage those as well. Okay, so everybody has their marching orders. We'll talk about this some more in the next half um, when we welcome a guest to talk about human trafficking and the concerns there. Thanks, Bob, for joining us, and we'll hear Thank the rest you. of you. Thank you. We'll all talk right, to you all after the break. Bye. God bless. God bless. The Word Made Clear is exactly what its name implies. It's an easy-to-understand explanation of the Word of God, the Gospel. Hello, I'm Father James McElhone, Director of Biblical Formation for the Archdiocese of Chicago. I'd like to invite you to take our free online Bible study program by going to thewordmadeclear.org. Our website offers an audio-based guide to the Gospels of Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. 
Listen to my lectures and follow along with the handouts provided. There are even discussion guides. You can also explore the biblical roots of the Mass. And there are links to a wide variety of biblical sources that will benefit both teachers and students of the sacred scriptures. Just go to wordmadeclear.org to experience our free online Bible study program. Again, it's free at wordmadeclear.org. It's the Word of God. Enjoy. The Cemetery Ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 44 Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic cemeteries willing to help you in your time of loss. Call 708-449-6100 or visit catholiccemeterychicago.org. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837. Catholic Charities Schreiber Center for Human Services is now open in Round Lake. Due to the pandemic, we are limited in the number of in-person programs that we currently can provide. However, a food pantry is open twice a week and a Wednesday night supper is held with to-go meals every week. A wide range of senior services are now offered as well. If we can assist you or someone you know, please call us at 847-546-5733. That's 847-546-5733. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here for you. Listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. Every Monday through Friday from 8 AM to 9 AM, the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome back to Fully Alive. You're listening to Dawn and Ray. We work in the Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity at the office at the Archdiocese of Chicago. Boy, I got myself all uh, <laughs> tongue-tied on it. It's so much to say. Um, so we just had a, a very interesting discussion yeah. with the um, executive director of the Catholic Conference of Illinois, Bob Gilligan, about you know some really dangerous legislation, House Bill 1797 and Senate Bill 2190, um, both proposals to repeal the um, Parental Notification of Abortion Act, which, you know, it's just really got some dangerous implications. Um, and with that in mind, we've invited um, a, a new co-worker of ours. Her name is Kimberly Duda, and she is um, actually working on a ministry practicum in our Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity. And the ministry practicum is all around human trafficking. So um, Kim is a graduate student at the Catholic Theological Union here in Chicago. She's working on a Master of Arts in Pastoral Studies. Um, she is about to produce a webinar um, to introduce people to human tra trafficking and, and what it's all about and how we can help people in that situation. And she's also the director of religious education at one of our parishes here in Chicago. Welcome, Kim. 
Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. Sure. We're so excited to have you. Um, I don't know if you got to hear a little bit of the last half, but, you know, we're as as we talked, um, we're we're very concerned about some legislation that's that's uh, you know railroading into Illinois, which would repeal you know a, a law that was ha- hardly fought and won, um, a law that's actually prevented about thirty percent of the abortions in minors since um, it was you know finally put into place in twenty twelve, mm. um, and for whatever reason the um, you know the wisdom is that parents don't need to know if their daughters have an abortion. So I, I know that in your work, um, you know, you do some work in human trafficking. So let's let's just start talking about what you're what you're doing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I first became aware of the issue of human trafficking uh, some years ago when I was living overseas. And I think at that time, I really, I, I really thought that it was, you know, primarily an overseas issue or mm-hmm. an issue that was happening only in the developing world. Okay. And I came face to face with it when I returned to the Chicago area, mm-hmm. um, started really looking into this issue of human trafficking and how prevalent it is. And I found that actually it is a worldwide yeah. problem and mm-hmm. that in the United States we have major issues with human trafficking. Okay, so um, how did you come to that realization? So I did um, a lot of research, mm-hmm. and um, I started what was called the Human Trafficking Concerns Ministry at my parish, along with the help of a couple friends. And we just started doing research. We went on Catholic Relief Services online. We looked at what they had to say. We um, partnered with an organization called Reclaim 13, which we learned so much yes. about the issue and how the average age of girls that are sex trafficked is 13 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, We also got involved with Women at Risk International, who does a really great work helping to empower women, give them economic ways to, you know, get themselves lifted out of poverty through making jewelry and, you know, other crafts and things like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so Reclaim 13 says that um, the the average age of a woman who's trafficked is 13, or that's when they begin. Yeah, so, 13 years old. Mm, so that would imply that it's not really of their own choice if they're being trafficked, right, at 13. And Kim, this is Ray. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned at first as well, um, my understanding of human trafficking is it's more of like an immigration, a mig- uh, migrant issue. But it really is in our backyards. It's, it's, it's here. I, I've learned that uh, Chicago at least O'Hare Airport is one of the hubs for this human trafficking, sex trafficking stuff, correct? I mean, it's happening under our nose. We, oh, we lost her. Okay, oh. so we'll get her back on, and I'm sure we'll have she'll have plenty to say on the topic. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Ray and I, we went to, a, 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 um, I guess, a conference that it addressed was, yeah. this two or three years ago. Um, and it, and it, that conference drew a big connection between pornography and human trafficking. Mm-hmm which certainly is an issue because, you know, we've gotten, everyone has a computer in their pocket nowadays. Um, It's pretty easy to take advantage of pornography. Okay, do we have Kim back? Happened there, but um, Ray, you know, just to speak to your your, your comment, I think that is one of the the largest misconceptions is that, you know, it isn't something that's happening locally. And the reality is there's so much access now to trafficking, um, especially minors through Mm -hmm. the Internet, online, You know, so it's definitely happening in our backyard. Actually, mm-hmm. right now there are about 300,000 youths in America that are at risk for being trafficked. That's really scary. And so yeah. we, we would assume 
that their parents somehow don't know that this is happening. Correct. So there are, yeah, there are definitely different ways that um, young people are victimized. Mm -hmm. They can be victimized through, you know, taking a picture of themselves that gets into the hands of someone who then uses that as an opportunity to blackmail Mm -hmm. the young person saying that if you don't do what I say that, you know, what I say to do, then we're going to, you know, show your parents this. There's, you know, there's all different ways that these predators really groom and recruit their victims. Mm-hmm. And, I, and from what I've been reading about this, I mean, it used to be that they would snatch somebody and you just didn't know what happened mm-hmm. to them. And that still happens. Right. But I think it, from what I'm also hearing is that the, they've gotten very um, crafty in their grooming to the point where sometimes like a girl will be at home for dinner. And with her family every night, but yet she's still being trafficked in secret in the afternoon or after school. Um, and, the, right. and the way that the predator has um, has arranged it in his very creative way, um, the parents are none the wiser. Mm-hmm. Right. And they use, you know, different methods of force and coercion. They, you know, there are situations where these young girls think that they're, um, that they're in love and that. You know, they're just going to do this until their boyfriend can get a job. And then all of a sudden they're caught up in this and they don't have a way out. So and this this man who's posing as her boyfriend mm-hmm. is actually her trafficker. That's right. That's right. So, so these they they pose as their boyfriend, and but they're really trafficking them. Mm-hmm. So, again, this leads back to our concern about right. these um, this legislation that's been proposed to repeal the Parental Notice of Abortion Act. Because if this 20-some-year-old man who's really a sex trafficker is posing as a boyfriend of a 14- or 15-year-old girl, um, you know, and, and, and he's forcing her to do things with all kinds of men, um, uh, there's a good chance she could get pregnant and he might want to get rid of that evidence. Mm-hmm. And if there's no notification to the parents whatsoever. And this isn't right. a consent. This is a notification. Just a notification. Right. So perhaps right. That, that notification would be the red flag mm-hmm. that you know, mom and dad need to say something's going on with our daughter here that mm-hmm. you aren't even aware of. Yeah, um, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. And, you know, what's interesting about, um, so if a 15-year-old, agree, even if a 15-year-old agrees to, uh, you know, the sexual activity for payment or whatever, they're still considered a trafficking victim because mm-hmm. they are not old enough to give consent. Hmm. So at 15 years old, they can say, I want to do this because I love my boyfriend. But the reality is they are still being trafficked because Mm -hmm. according to the law, they are not able to give consent. Interesting. So according to the law, they they can't give consent to be trafficked, yet they can go and get an abortion without their parents even knowing Mm -hmm. if this law goes through. Interesting. Mm -hmm. This just seems like, you know, some big confusion there. And, you know, they just they just passed a law in 2019 um, here in Illinois, that said by July of 2020, um, hospitality workers, like in hotels and places like that, had to be trained on the um, the signs of of, yeah. of traffic, you know, mm-hmm. of, beef, of people being trafficked, so that they could raise the flag. So on the one hand, we have this great law that you know helps people to know how to identify these problems, and on the other hand, we have a law we have a law proposed that would put it further into the dark. Mm-hmm. Just 
Right. And and I think that, you know, sometimes what happens is people are still, they're unsure of what trafficking is. They still have yeah. some of those misconceptions about it's not happening here. It's not happening my, in my backyard. It's only, you know, a specific group of people. Mm. Um, but the reality is that, you know, it is happening here. Well, you know, and it's really interesting. And I wish I remembered the website, but when when Ray and I went to this conference a couple of years ago, they showed us a place yes. where you can identify what's really a um, like a pornography ring um, mm-hmm. in any zip code in the U.S. And I I googled my own zip code and there was like ten of them right like within two miles of my house. And yeah, how scary is that? Yeah, it's that's very scary. And especially now the porn industry, as yeah. they call it. Um, it actually conceals large-scale criminal networks of pimping and human trafficking. So right. people caught up in that are being trafficked as well. Sure, and that's a, that's a big connection. Now, I started to talk mm-hmm. about that before when we lost you, <laughs> but oh, when yeah. you came back, that yeah. So we can talk some more about that in just a minute because we need to take another mm-hmm. break. So if okay. you could hold on for a minute, sure, Karen, sure. And, and if all of our listeners would hold on, we'll be right back. Caring adults make all the difference in the lives of adolescents. Catholic Charities understands this, and our mentorship program provides a free opportunity for youth living in Lake County to spend time, virtually, with volunteers who genuinely care about them. This program is ideal for youths age 9 to 12 who may need support navigating the challenges of childhood and early adolescence. Our amazing volunteers serve as friends and role models who help youth recognize their strengths and empower them to reach their full potential. Catholic Charities conducts a thorough background check on every volunteer, and our program coordinator closely monitors and supports each relationship. Mentoring is a fun after-school program that is totally different from remote learning. Virtual group sessions help youth enjoy fun activities with their peers, too. We're connecting youth with great role models. Join us today. To learn more, call 312-937-3375. That's 312-937-3375. Hello, I'm Cardinal Blaise Supich. I got my COVID-19 vaccination and you should too. It took just a few seconds and was painless. The Food and Drug Administration determined the new vaccines are safe and effective. And the Holy See, as well as the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, has concluded getting the COVID-19 vaccine is an act of love of our neighbor and part of our moral responsibility for the common good. We have lived with the pandemic for many months, and I know we're all getting tired of it. Vaccination is one of the most important ways you can protect your health and the lives of those you love and help bring the pandemic under control. When it is your turn, I urge you to be vaccinated. And remember to do your part by wearing a mask, washing your hands, 
and watching your distance. Thank you, and God bless you all. Thanks for hanging out with us here on Fully Alive. I'm Dawn Fitzpatrick. I have Ray Pingoy here with me. We're co-hosting this episode of Fully of Live. And at the moment, we are talking to a co-worker, Kimberly Duda, who is working on a ministry practicum in our Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity and developing a webinar to educate people on human trafficking. So we were talking about you know, how, how scary it is and how prevalent it is. Yeah. Um, and that certainly weakening, weakening our laws in Illinois isn't going to help the problem. So, um, so Ray had a yeah. point, too, as we were in the break about, the, about pornography and the connection. Because we did talk mm-hmm. about the victims, Kim, and a little bit also now on the buyers are these quote-unquote Johns. Kind of feel bad calling them Johns. You know, these are the buyers, but because I, I know a couple of good good guys out there named Johns, and I want to call them Johns. <laughs> right, right. But, but, I mean, there are buyers out there, and, yeah. again, we think that it's just happening in the movies, but it really is happening all around us. Can you, right. you you mentioned it about the, the link to pornography, and I'm seeing this as, mm-hmm. like, it, we're, we're grooming. The, the, the porn industry is grooming these... Uh, these men that are or boys or boys mm-hmm. yeah. that are that are addicted to this and then now mm-hmm. they're going to be buyers right and so what they're doing is um they're showing submission through rape exploitation coercion mm-hmm. um you know pornography is based on this misogynistic myth of women as sexual objects who are eager for self-destruction um, and the filming of these acts, the filming of these sexual acts under economic and psychological coercion, mm. um, it, it really presents this picture that these women are participating in it when really they are trapped. They are vulnerable, women, right. vulnerable women who are trapped um, and cannot get, you know, cannot see a way out. Sure. Whether it's because they lack, you know, economic opportunity or you know, their circumstances, or in some cases. You know, they're being held against their will, like right. violence is committed against them. Yeah. I did want to um, I did want to mention one thing about the about the grooming methods. So because we we're talking about, you know, uh, girls under the age of 17 and, you know, one in five statistics show that one in five children are solicited sexually before the age of 18 online. Mm-hmm. Um, traffickers are online. They are everywhere that teens hang out. They mm-hmm. actually work with recruiters. So they find, you know, they find people the age of these girls and these recruiters kind of, you know, make their way into the girls' lives mm. and, you know, get them to trust them, build relationships, et cetera. So insidious, my gosh. This is about money. Mm-hmm. This is about yeah. just trying to get... Yeah. yeah. Oh, my it is about money. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a $150 billion industry. Mm. In fact, they, they are really um, estimating that within the next couple of years, it will be more profitable for the criminals who are engaging in it than drug trafficking. Mm-hmm. Well, we had a statistic, because Ray and I have done some presentations on... Um, on the dangers of pornography, that mm-hmm. that the pornography industry actually brings in more income than the the NFL, the NBA, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. all of all of the sports, the uh, sports outlets yep. completely yeah. combined. So yeah. it's it's just crazy that they make that kind of money hand over fist mm-hmm. at at the 
at the price of um, a person's soul, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just awful. Yeah. So there's something like uh, 200,000 images accessed per minute. Yeah. Um, there was There's a, a really great study, prostitution, prostitutionresearch.com, by a Dr. Melissa Farley, who's a psychologist that interviewed, you know, tons of people, hundreds of people on uh, several continents. And, you know, what... In in her work, she identified that something like two hundred thousand plus yeah. pornography sites are accessed every minute. This That's is really scary. And and yeah. that, going back to the whole um, grooming these buyers, you know, uh, with pornography, just it, they're training them to say, "Oh, well, you know, it's no big deal." But I, I want to really dispel that, right? I mean, th- th- it is mm-hmm. a big deal, and they yeah. are just. Uh, they think it's I mean yeah they think it's free and it's harming nobody but it really is feeding into this whole frenzy of Mm -hmm. sex trafficking right and there's such serious psychotraumatic scarring Mm -hmm. what they estimated is that girls that are caught up women and girls or even boys are caught up in this as well but you know people caught up in trafficking they have a higher rate of PTSD than military. So 39% of, 39% of adults, 20% of, 27% of children who were trafficked suffer with PTSD. And for soldiers, the rate is something between 10 to 31%. Mm-hmm. So it's huge. It's just a huge the impact that uh, this sort of uh, abuse and violence and being trafficked has on a person is it, it's almost immeasurable. Right, right. So we certainly don't want our state being the uh, the the site mm-hmm. for this trafficking um, to get rid of their evidence. Right, <laughs> which right. Is, which is what is ha- proposed, yes. really, with this legislation that's proposed. Yep. So, Absolutely. Um, so when when is your webinar going to air, and how? Can so people... our webinar is going to be uh, Tuesday, April twentieth at seven p.m. We're going to be sending the links out. We have a couple of great speakers, um, and we're really just going to try to you know talk about the issue of human trafficking, the different types of human trafficking, um, the uh, the circumstances that increase vulnerability. We're going to have someone talk to us about Catholic social teaching and what the right. church has to say about the issue and. Well, and, and, you know, that's a really good point. Catholic social teaching, and how does that relate to this topic? Mm-hmm. So, well, first we're called, you know, Pope Francis calls us to recognize that this is a scourge against human dignity. Mm-hmm. And the themes in Catholic social teaching, such as the solidarity, um, being in solidarity with others, mm-hmm. uh, the dignity of the human person, all Absolutely. of these are just being torn apart by this issue. Well, certainly, because we're we're not recognizing that there is a human here. We're we're basically right. taking a human and turning them into an object, which Ray and I do right. spend a lot of time talking mm-hmm. about that topic through theology of the body, and mm-hmm. that um, we were not called to treat each other as objects. That's um, right. When people become objects, then we are using them, which is actually the opposite of love. So, yes. The modern mm-hmm. name, yes. Yeah. Pope Francis says um, it's a selfish point of view that allows human beings to be used for mm-hmm. personal gain. Yes, yes. Modern day slavery now. Modern day slavery. Mm-hmm. Kim, what can we do as parishioners? I know you're a religious uh, director, religious education yes. director. Mm-hmm. What can we do in our parishes to make sure we talk about this topic? Yeah, so there are a lot of really great. Uh, parish initiatives. The USCCB actually has the the Amistad movement and the Shepherd program that is basically a step-by-step way to 
raise awareness, to educate, to advocate for victims' rights, and it really lays it out very clearly. So if you, you know, if, if listeners wanted to go on the USCCB website and put in human trafficking, they would be led to a page that has a couple of different resources. Right. Um, the Shepherd Movement, the Amistad Movement are, you know, really huge. Also, Catholic Relief Services has a huge anti-trafficking campaign. They have tons of things from writing letters to legislators asking them, you know, to look at supply chain transparency to holding uh, vigils, prayer vigils, to, you know, fair trade programs and different mm-hmm. ways to, you know, help lift people out of poverty. Great. Um, mm-hmm. There's also, you know, it's a, that's one thing I will say um, after getting involved in, you know, producing this webinar and really looking at this topic, there are quite a few agencies out there. So people in all different ways, you know, can find what they're looking for to get involved. Sure. Women at Risk International, Reclaim 13, mm-hmm. the Polaris Project. There's so many things out there. Absolutely. We found the same and thing. We can always use more. Yeah. Well, and, we, and there's a group called NICOSI that is... Um, the National Committee on um, on Sex Exploitation, and um, and they they hold a conference on this every year, and um, and it was just really eye opening when we went to that conference. Really yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. And and you're right. There's there's you know organization after organization who's addressing this at a different level, and it's just so important to to really get the information out there. Yeah. So so quickly, how can people sign up for this webinar? So they'll have to go through the. Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity website, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which you can do by going to thearchchicago.org and yes. navigate over to the Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity. And then you can find some information about the webinar and how to mm-hmm. sign up for it. So, yes. And you said that would be on April 20th at 7 p.m.? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, and I think it's, it sounds like it's just going to be a riveting webinar um, and really eye-opening and it's so important that we protect our, our kids, mm-hmm. um, yeah. that we help people to grow up as as whole individuals and yeah. um, and loved people so that they know they're loved. And I think that that this human trafficking does the opposite. So mm-hmm. um, so whatever we can I do to, to help people through this and to to prevent it from happening. And certainly everyone needs to contact your legislators um, and tell them to vote against House Bill one. 797 and Senate Bill 2190, because both of those will enable more sex trafficking um, to happen by hiding evidence. Um, yeah. Because parents won't be any of the wiser if a daughter right. a, a daughter's a victim and has to have abortions and the parents never know. So, mm-hmm. um, so anyway, thank you so much, Kim, for joining us. This thank was, you for having me. Yeah, this was a great discussion. And we look forward, Ray and I, are, this is a topic we're very interested in. We look mm. forward to working with you more closely on this as we go forward. Thanks, Kim. Yes, me too. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you in May. God bless. Thanks so much. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.